Hey everyone, this is Josh with Spurgeon Maniacs to share how you guys can partner with us. First off, thank you to everyone who has been listening to our show and to those of you that came to our conference. We are gearing up to expand what we do for you guys, but we need your help. Go on over to patreon.com forward slash Spurgeon Maniacs. We would love to have your support to continue doing this podcast, conferences, and so much more as we grow. Also, give this podcast a five-star review on Apple or Google Podcasts. That's how more and more people are going to find what we're doing over here. Lastly, come find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and don't forget to email us at podcast at SpurgeonManiacs.com. Now, here is your episode. Charles Spurgeon was a man that God used, and millions are still being impacted by his kingdom work. As we examine his life and ministry, we hope to strengthen today's church and bring glory to Christ. My name is Joel Littlefield, lead pastor of New City Church in Bath, Maine, and I'm joined by my brother in Christ, Josh Whitney. Welcome to the Spurgeon Maniacs podcast. deep is it Ooh. what oh, is man. what is color what is colorful what was Spur- Spurgeon's favorite color well from the pictures we see of that day it was either black or white <laughs> <laughs> usually yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how it all starts yeah he's like don't you that? hear our, do you he not just, listen to our never, episodes he's you never listened listen. to a single That's Spurgeon fine. episode Spurgeon Maniacs okay does well, that hurt sure it kind of hurts sure my own son your own uh, son man uh, I really it do was, wonder if he had a favorite color. Like, do do people have favorite colors in the 1800s, or is that like a modern day vanity? Like, it's, that's what, does it even matter? Some kind of like subtle commercialism somewhere, like a card. <laughs> what's company your favorite color? Or a car or something? Spurgeon's suddenly here in our day, and we're like, "What's your favorite color, Spurgeon?" He's like, "What? What? <laughs> Why does that even matter? Give God the glory." <laughs> For every color of the, yep. of the rainbow. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. I heard a comment today talking about, uh, it was a quote, someone posted a quote from Spurgeon about, um, basic, uh, I cannot remember the quote, but how much more valuable it is to have, to have saved a soul than any other kind of riches that you could mm-hmm. have here on earth. Uh, and obviously he doesn't mean to be the guy that saved the guy. Was it from Soul Winner? Was it a quote it probably from Soul was yeah. from Soul Winner. And the guy who posted it was like, I wonder how, in light of this quote, how Spurgeon thought of his legacy uh, as it's been, you know, tied to the other category. Uh, well, hmm. And the other category meant Calvinism. Right. The other category. Hey, well, which we get to talk about a little bit today. We do get to. Yay. It's pretty that's good. always a good Hey, day. why don't you real quick, because we had some interaction on the, on the Spurgeon Maniacs page that has inspired a future episode that you just mentioned off oh, the yeah. air. So you might as well comment briefly. Uh, do we, we have some repeat posters at some point we should 
maybe mention some of these guys by name and be like, hey, thanks for actually using the, the page. Yeah. I think his name was Alex. Yeah. Yeah, Alex. Uh, I bet I could find it real quick and then we can we can promote you properly because Nor- uh, it was a lot of good stuff. I went back through his history to see what he's posted and it's always been really good things. Um, I think there's another guy named Ricky uh, that posts quite a bit too. Let's see. Yeah, oh. there's not a lot of interaction among those posts, but there are these solid guys that are constantly lovely. posting things. Uh, Peter Sarkis really is another guy that posts yeah. quite a bit. Hey, did you see Ian's dad is on there? Oh, here he is. I just see you it right just now. Saw it. Yeah, he he gave you a thanks for a conversation, I guess, on Sunday, a couple Sundays ago. Yeah. Uh, nice. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, well anyways, that, Alexander. Alexander. Alec, Alex. I'm not Alex. even sure how to say that. Yeah. So, Alexander. Yeah, but he had an interesting uh, an interesting quote that's often attributed to why Spurgeon was a thirty third degree Freemason, um, and it because he talks about builders and the best builder and the eternal architect, and it's posted with a picture of him holding his hand behind his coat, the which, hidden hand, the hidden hand, mm-hmm. yeah, which is all in Freemasonry. So. Yeah, we're probably going to do an episode some point here yeah. soon about Charles Spurgeon and was he actually a 33rd degree Freemason. You know, it might be a fun... We could we could do the research and that'd be fun, but maybe that's one that's worth having somebody on. Oh, for I don't sure. Know. So we should have somebody on that's smarter than us. Smarter than us. Yeah, and then we'll ask him and then the guy will just say, was he a Freemason? The guy will say, no. Yeah. And then we're, we'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Deal. And then we'll settle the issue once and for all. That's good. Are you thinking about what Nathaniel said earlier about being smarter? Yeah. That was what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. Well, uh, it is good to see you, man. It's good to see you. Yeah, thanks for being here and ch- talking to me once again and yeah. with me and at me. Anytime. Thank you. Between the hours of 8 and 5. <laughs> All right, man. All right, ready to dive in? I think so. Let's do this. All right. So we are talking about, we're back in the Lost Spurgeon sermons, and we're on sermon number 7. And uh, we're talking about regeneration today. And uh, just a couple brief, unique things about this sermon as we're looking at this outline. For those of you who own this uh, volume, um, you'll notice that this particular outline doesn't have any scripture reference. It's one of very few of his outlines where there is no particular sermon text given at the beginning of the sermon. But clearly, we know about Spurgeon that he often was giving these uh, sermons after a more in-depth expository Bible teaching, like at a Sunday school or something like that. So that's certainly not at all evidence that Spurgeon was not biblical or using the Bible. Clearly he was. Um, But it's about regeneration. Spurgeon has preached on regeneration so many times, and it is a joy to just be able to talk about an awesome subject. It's going to be good. So on the matter of regeneration... Spurgeon has a lot to say, and so should we. Really, any Christian on that matter should have something to say about regeneration. It's a biblical concept. It's really a shame that salvation has lost the terminology of the Puritans and even Spurgeon's day. People today, um, it's rare that you hear an everyday Christian speak of their salvation as regeneration. Yeah. And as I'm just kind of saying it and as I was preparing, I can't remember the last time I heard a Christian in their testimony or talking just about their faith or what God has done, we don't, it just doesn't get mentioned a lot. But it used to be. I think it was more used in, in more Puritan times in 1800s for sure. And a lot of people do. But so it's true that we believe, it is true that if someone is not regenerated, 
I would say it's it's so clear that if you're not regenerated, you cannot be a Christian. Yeah. True. True. And if someone is a true Christian, they indeed have been regenerated. Yes. Makes a lot of sense. So in this sermon that we're looking at, it's simply entitled Regeneration, or at least the his outline was entitled it, um, which was preached in Spurgeon's earlier days of ministry. And we see strong Calvinistic language used that many a cage stage brothers and sisters would absolutely love. Yeah. Like he is just like, boom, <laughs> you see the list in this outline. He's got irresistible. He's got perfect. It cannot be undone. Uh, efficient causes, all these great words. And you can tell he's, he's, he's excited. He's ex- I can mm-hmm. just picture young Spurgeon. Like I can't wait to preach this sermon. Uh, we know that he was a Calvinist. We and in a moment I'll mention this, but he definitely had kind of varying stages of this. So in this sermon, um, though we hear that language, did Spurgeon always maintain such a vigor around this topic? And so I thought it'd be interesting to just give two points. Uh, one in 1863, um, Spurgeon would have been, I think, about 23 years old uh, in 1863. That's not this particular sermon, but another uh, manuscript of, of him preaching on a similar subject. Listen to this language. The Warrant of Faith is the name of the sermon. If I am to preach faith in Christ to a man who is regenerated, then the man being regenerated is saved already. And it is, it is an unnecessary and ridiculous thing for me to preach Christ to him and bid him to believe in order to be saved when he is saved already being regenerate. But you will tell me that I ought to preach it only to those who repent of their sins. Very well, but since true repentance of sin is the work of the Spirit, any man who has repentance is most certainly saved because evangelical repentance never can exist in an unrenewed soul. Where there is repentance, there is faith already, for they never can be separated. Mm. Interesting. Mm. You go seven years later, 1870, a sermon called Every Man's Necessity, and he's preaching from John chapter 3, and he says this, There must come into us a new life to which, by nature, we are perfect strangers, something far beyond that which belongs to us as we are born after the flesh, a life that was not latent in the infant to be gradually developed in the training of the child, but a life which is altogether absent until divine grace implants it there. You must be born again. You must be created again. Or as the scripture says, begotten again unto a lively hope. The life within you must be a, or as fresh a creation as was the light when God spoke it, or as was the world when God formed it out of nothing. A work of divine power must be exercised upon you equal to that which raised the Lord Jesus from the dead and gave him glory. Awesome, awesome. So it's, it is said that as his ministry went on and as Spurgeon got older, and I did a little research, but we could go further beyond 1870. And I am really curious um, to find some later sermons and quotes from him when he's in his 40s, 50s, you know, because that is said that this sort of, the, he didn't change his doctrine, um, but he learned to soften the blow a little bit, <laughs> realizing that he was serving amongst a kingdom of people that had a variety of views on this. So I don't believe he changed his position, but he learned to speak less harshly about these things uh, with those whom he disagreed. So before we get into a discussion about some of these particular items, um, things that would hope to be helpful for everyone, Josh, can you just take us to the word of God? Let us Mm. see a few things about regeneration in the scriptures. 
and then we'll talk. Yeah, so first, Jesus kind of lays the foundation to what it even means. And Spurgeon talked about it a little bit in that in that last quote you gave. But uh, in, his, in his conversation with Nicodemus, he tells him, um, just flat out when he's asking, um, when he's asking or saying that, you know, he's a great teacher from God, no one can do these things. And Jesus' response to him is, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm. And he goes through this whole uh, Nicodemus does about how that doesn't make sense. And Jesus gently rebukes him and it's all the way down um, or not all the way down, but in verse five, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So already we see this, this language of, of regeneration. Mm -hmm. You are, you were born one way but you must be a different way. I love it. Yeah. Um, and we see glimpses of that as well in the Old Testament. So in Ezekiel, it's the famous passage of his prophecy talking about what this, what this new day, what this new covenant would look like. In Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Mm. And there are so many, it was trying, I'm trying to narrow down what are the passages we should be going into. Cause you could go to first Corinthians 15. Yeah. I brought to you as of first importance. Um, you can go to all these places that talk about the regeneration, what it means to be born again. But, um, there's a couple more I wanted to point us to, uh, that being Ephesians two, Ephesians two says, uh, starting at the very beginning and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the souls of disobedience, among whom sons. sons what I oh souls, souls. Mm. same thing. Yeah, your souls. It's the passion translation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Mm -hmm. The sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Hmm. Uh, so it is, it is through Christ that we see this change being done. And as uh, Spurgeon pointed out in that first quote he's, as being the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what Titus 3 tells us. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our mm. Savior. So Love that washing of regeneration. Yeah poured mm. over you yeah. are now cleansed by the regeneration taking what was old and being washed to new um, we have been redeemed yeah it's awesome those are the those are the verses that i found those, already, those, did you already cover, did you do an ezekiel already i did you just yeah I'm so you're sorry. tweeting 
<laughs> no, I wasn't tweeting. I was actually looking up the the Greek word for that regeneration in Titus, uh, uh, just to see what it actually. No, I went. I, I jumped around a little I was bit from say, the I was order like trying that to follow you see. the order. Okay, okay, but it actually means new birth. All right. Mm-hmm. So, in my people might ask, and, and this is worth talking about. So, we talk about regeneration. Does the Bible actually say that regeneration is necessary for salvation? So, no, you're not going to like see it spelled out. You regeneration must happen before you say no. But we see it in Titus, and then we see language in John three that says you must be born again, rebirth, new mm-hmm. new birth. It is what we're talking about. It's mm-hmm. those are synonymous terms, regeneration. So, uh, Spurgeon believed in it we do as well um so for the sake of our discussion just thought we'd look back at the the outline real quick Spurgeon breaks this particular sermon into three major headings and the three headings are um number one terms that help us understand the character of regeneration so he kind of lays out a bunch of these terms that we can talk about if you want to bring bring those up um number two the cause of regeneration number three the effects of it so the terms that help define it the cause of it and the effects of it Mm. um I wanted to first look at the first heading for a moment because he makes this uh, really interesting note. He says this at the top of the notes. Um, we may also learn that it is a work in which man is passive. Mm-hmm. So he believed something about regeneration mm-hmm. that is very controversial. Yep. That the work of regeneration is passive. What does that, what, what does that even mean? What are we saying, essentially, at the very base level of this, to say this is passive? What are we saying? Uh, as causality. So as talking about what are forces moving behind this act of regeneration mm-hmm. um, and you talk, I mean, someone who knows electricity could probably explain it better Mm-mm. than me, Not but me. yeah. Um, ohms. Ohms. That's a word. <laughs> Voltage. Am that's I, am I getting closer to what word. you're trying to say? Watts. I don't know. Oh, so okay. I don't know. I, that's what I was saying. Someone who knows, like, I just know that there's like passive energy. AC and DC. Sure. There we go. That's got to be it. It's got to be. <laughs> point is, <laughs> point is, yeah. when we talk about forces and causality, man plays a passive role in that causality. Mm-hmm. So when, when this regeneration comes, man basically takes a backseat. A passive role. A passive role. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So why do people hate or not like, don't appreciate? Not everybody doesn't like <laughs> this, but it's not favored and and amongst calvinists or reformed people it is very much loved and i've been around and i love the pillar network for many reasons and it's because you can get together with you know a few hundred guys that all very much love this doctrine they're not arrogant about it mm-hmm. it's not like a, it's not an issue it's just like this is what scripture right. teaches but man people have some serious issues with it yeah i think yeah. it's so people on both sides can throw up you know um yeah, I know they can. Straw men. Oh, okay, yeah. Can throw up straw men to like <laughs> yeah. say like, well, this is what you believe. Right. And they come out and right. be like, well, no, because this is what you believe. Because uh, the scripture does talk about you making a confession. Yeah. And we, you know, when we live in our lives, we make a confession because we believe something. And we're not, not minimizing that. Yeah, 100%. But that's what the other side might say. Exactly. Someone who doesn't believe uh, that that man is regenerated before their confession. Yeah. Uh, they would say, well, look at all these verses that say you have to believe in order to be saved. It's like, well, I yep. agree. Mm-hmm. It yep. is the heart given to us by God that get, makes us able yeah. to believe. Um, either way, either side has to believe in regeneration and has to believe in regeneration by God alone. 
And and I don't necessarily think that the problem is that they're the and not to necessarily just make this as about about sides, but there are people who disagree with this to the extent that a Calvinist might. But it's not that they don't believe regeneration happens. It's Correct. it's where does it fall in the order of things and order who, salutis and who and who is involved in it? What'd you say? Order salutis. What's that? Some Latin thing. It's a Latin phrase, like the. the uh, oh man, I shouldn't even I should, said it. Aha! I asked for <laughs> clarification. I think it's the order of salvation, isn't it? Is that so, what, really? I think, I think so. Okay, let's see. Yeah, we're gonna have to look this up. Order be... salutis means it means the order of salvation. Bam! I knew Boom. it. Thank you, Ligonier. Thank you. Yeah, that's where I heard. Okay. That's that was one of R.C. Sproul's RC. famous. Uh, sayings or descriptions of what this even means. It's order salutis. That's right. So one of the things you mentioned, uh, people will say, well, I find, I see in scripture where we have to believe. And I was reading a couple arguments about this where people are actually bringing up Spurgeon, trying to say that Spurgeon believed that regeneration happened after faith. And I don't believe that. And he actually used the quote that I gave from uh, at the beginning of the podcast, uh, where he's painting this scenario. If I preach faith in Christ to a man who is regenerated, then the man being regenerated is saved already. They, they were using that to say that Spurgeon was uh, speaking sarcastically. He was, no, he was actually saying that this is the, this is the truth. Yeah. Uh, if he's, if he is truly repentant, um, or God can bring a person to repentance because of regeneration, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, without you preaching to them. Mm-hmm. Like he really can without you preaching to them. God, God can have oh, yeah. brought them to a place of repentance of sin without you bringing them a invitation to say the sinner's prayer mm-hmm. and bow their knee and come to accept Jesus as their Lord and savior. But I think there are people who have a problem with that, that yeah. God regenerates unto faith. His word is applied somewhere. The word of truth, mm-hmm. the gospel, um, but uh, anyway, so all that to say, this guy that brought up this argument went to the, the, the Philippian jailer and said, well, when he said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, well, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Like that was an argument to say, well, he had to believe. He would have said something else there, had regeneration. Had, had, I, dude, I know, I know. And I actually... It's so fresh. When he he so should have said, it doesn't matter because God already caused a new salvation. I'm like, that's such a stupid thing. That's literally a straw. Uh, it's a, clear. It's clear that regeneration is mysterious, isn't it? It's 100%. sort of an... It's an invisible work. We don't see it or know when it takes place. You know, is American Gospel, to, uh, not Tony Campola, but the other one who, uh, who was barefoot for the entire interview. Sarah always likes to point that out. That's funny. Um, he talked about the question he would bring to whenever he would speak at churches was what is the, what is the mathematical or physical scenario in which someone has their sins forgiven and they can go to heaven. And he uses that as like a gotcha cause no one mm-hmm. can explain it. And I'm going, of course not. No one yeah. can explain to you like the, metabolism that happens that changes your soul from death to life. Like that's such an idiotic question. Yeah. There's definitely a mystery is what I meant by it. There's definitely a mystery in how that actually happens. There is, there is. So we believe it's necessary to talk about regeneration we believe it matters. So generation, uh, regeneration is passive. We believe that, mm-hmm. uh, we already kind of talked about it. Why does that even matter? Why does it matter to talk about whether it's passive or not? If somebody's like, well, Okay, you guys are taking a show to talk about this, and Spurgeon seemed to believe it, but why does it even matter? I mean, 
can't we just all get along? Yes. Or is this something about doctrinal <laughs> fidelity? Yeah. Like, it matters. Oh, it totally matters. Yeah. We can, and we can also get along. Uh, yeah. it's, it's just one or the other, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've got a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. It, ma- it matters because it sets your... Not that you have to have your theology decided before you work, before you go to the scriptures, but your theology is how you read the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyone who says, I have no preconditions, I just go to the Bible open-minded, is a greater fool, I think, than someone who acknowledges their preconditions and goes to the Bible in those. Yeah. Um, to, To think that I'm just going to the Bible with a clean slate, I just want it to speak to me. And I'm not going to have any. It's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Everybody. The fact that you would even say that as a precondition to how mm-hmm. you want. That means you're, whenever you see something that might line up with a theological view, you're going to ignore it so that you can create your own meaning. Yeah. Which is therefore a precondition to how you view the Bible. That's right. So you, you have to understand and you have to come to a firm conviction of what you believe the scriptures point out to you so that you way you can make sense of the scriptures. Yeah, I agree. It's good. What would you say? That's a pointed question. Very well thought out, but how about you? Which particular part of that question you asked me? That you asked me. Why does it matter? matter? Yeah. Uh, Well, one, I think what we think about the scripture matters. It matters. So it's a good, it's, it's about scripture and it's about our salvation, which is the most important topic that can ever be talked about. So Mm -hmm. it should matter just in this, in the sense of we should be mature enough to talk about something like this, but also I I agree with you. I think you sort you said this, that it sort of sets the stage. It's the beginning of that work of God in your life. And if it's Mm -hmm. not passive, it will affect everything. It really does trickle down into everything else that you believe, whether you can keep your salvation. Most people who believe that it's not passive, that you were actively engaged in the saving work. That also means that you're actively engaged in keeping yourself in the covenant. So though you are, you are, it is necessary that you obey scripture. It is necessary that you walk in the will of God. We know that it is God's perseverance through us that brings us to the final day where we stand before him mm-hmm. clothed white blameless um, it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus so I just think it if, if mm-hmm. we don't deal with that bait that foundational issue it affects other yeah. it, it's going to affect other doctrines yeah, uh, that could be, you know, pretty detrimental to your growth and how you witness to other people what you expect to happen when you bring the gospel to somebody and yeah. they're not getting saved. Yeah, like what's the what's the deal with that? I think, man, I wish I wish reformed guys and gals would have their theology drive them towards evangelism, like myself. Yeah, it's definitely been a hindrance, and I think that's our weak point. Is and I think it's rightly pointed out that often reformed people don't evangelize as much. Yeah. And I, but I think it's a sad, sad, sad um, scenario because I, I think of anybody, people with a reformed, classically reformed, Calvinistic um, theology should be the ones evangelizing the most. Yeah. Because they're the ones that should be the most confident, knowing that God has worked all things out. It doesn't matter what happens you are going to be the vessel in which God uses to to show his work. 
So that should just make us even more bold and even more ready and able to go out there and do these things. That's right. I, I agree. And I think that it can, the case can be easily made that some of the best evangelistic movements and missionary movements were actually guys who were Calvinists. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... It's, and we lost it. Uh, yeah. We I lost, think as we a lost, whole. We lost it to Charles Finney and the yeah. other guys yeah. and all that yeah. other stuff. So, Yeah. Well, let's just answer yes or no then. Do you believe uh, regeneration precedes faith? Yes. Yes. All right, cool. Deal. I'm so glad we agree. Can two walk together if they disagree? (laughs) We would have had to shut down the podcast. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't. Yeah. Uh, Wait, what? what? (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I do. I really do believe, and I believe that really does matter too, that regeneration precedes faith. So what are we saying for those who have never thought about this? You must be born again. That must the, be. The, the work of death to life, the process at least, let's say it this way, the process at least is initiated by God, and it's something that you cannot see, nor do you know, but he gives you that ability that brings you mm. to that place eventually to put your faith in Christ. Had, you, had that not happened, you would not even have the ability to reach out, cry out to God. Mm-hmm. That brings into it all sorts of other doctrines and, and things that really do matter when you begin to kind of think it through. Um, so if God doesn't, if it doesn't precede faith, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, who, then I lost my train of thought too. You, you must, I, so you must like be better at sharing the gospel than okay, other that's people. One thing. Is that what you were going to uh, say? No, keep oh, going. Okay. You'll jog my brain. Come on, come on. So that's one, uh, you've <laughs> got to have the, I think I'm only thinking right now, like you have to have the better argument. You have to be persuasive. You have to, um, hold all of the cards in your hand. Yep. Yep. And Man. you have to think of everything. Yes, that's true. You have to think of everything because if that person goes away, um, not accepting the Lord right then and there, you must have done, I don't know. You must've done something wrong. Yeah. Uh, uh, if, if, if God's, so God's grace is the same for everyone yeah. and you can accept it or not accept it, then something must've been wrong in your presentation for them to have not accepted it, but you to have accepted it, if you both come from the same starting ground. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Let, let me, uh, this might help jog my memory because I had, <laughs> I had something that I was I thinking of. And I really, but that's okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote here. This is from Banner. And Banner has this awesome uh, article that basically says, are you sure you like Spurgeon? <laughs> and they're basically saying, are you sure? Because did you know he's a Calvinist? Because if, if you hate Calvinists and you like Spurgeon, you might want to rethink what, <laughs> the argument. So he, he's talking about uh, irresistible grace and total depravity. He says, when you say, can God make me become a Christian? I tell you, yes, for herein rests the power of the gospel. This is Spurgeon mm-hmm. speaking. It does not ask your consent, consent, but it gets it. It does not say, will you have it? But it makes you willing in the day of God's power. The gospel wants not your consent. It gets it. It knocks the enmity out of your heart. You Mm. say, I do not want to be saved. Christ says, you shall be saved. (laughs) He makes our will turn round, and then you cry, Lord, save, or I perish. Mm. Isn't that interesting? So that's kind of what I was leaning towards, but I wasn't, I don't know, for whatever reason, it left my brain. But it's that place of, oh, can you resist it? That's what I was thinking. Like, if, if. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's tied together. So if regeneration if it happens after faith, then you are 
you throw out the doctrine of irresistible grace. Yep. But I but we do believe in irresistible grace. It's uh, not a lot of people. Not a lot of people do. It's They'll very, hold L and I together. Ah, for sure. But we're yeah. not saying that it's a it's a manipulative coercion of God, or that there is never an outward apparent resisting of the grace of God. But on the day of your salvation, when you are finally saved, it's because of God. Yep. It's because God did a work in your heart. Mm-hmm. How else could it be? Can you give me no another scenario? No other way. No other way. Well, so this is. What's the, what's another argument? Like, can you think of another argument? Like, what? Another argument against like, it? Oh, against like, it? Like, why would that not be the most beautiful? And I know it's arrogant to say that. Oh, but sure. That's so it's so good. Yeah. Well, because with it are connotations, and mm-hmm. you can't move away from those connotations in that state of mind. What so are the it's connotations? Of, robotic love. Yeah. We so, cannot. Yeah. Truly. God cannot. It cannot be true love. Yeah, if it's forced. If it's forced. Yeah. Or the chessboard. Have you heard of a chessboard? Mm-hmm. So you have God sitting on one side, and then you sit on the other side. And um, one version says, God says to you, uh, so let's play some chess, but I've already moved all the pieces, and I've already won. Yeah. Or, because or, the, the question is, what's more loving or what's more glorifying to God? Or where God sits down and says, all right, you can, new, you can move whatever piece you want. Yeah. And we go... God is so loving that he would let me, but here's, I'm going to, here's the, Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, here's the problem. If it were left to us and we were really only the only will involved in moving the chess pieces, we would choose death every time. Adam did. We would choose sin every single time. Yeah. So just because you chose life at one point does not mean mm-hmm. you suddenly had some breakthrough in your will. Yep. No, it's because God broke through your hard, stony heart and yep. changed your will. You yep. didn't see it happen, but it did happen. Yes. Because what you shared from Scripture, dead hearts, or dead in our trespasses and sins, hearts that need regenerating yep. surgery. Yep. Hmm. Yep. What were you going to say? Go ahead. Sorry. I, I Sorry, I got excited. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Oh, man. <laughs> That's okay. All right, so what can we say to somebody who's struggling with this? And we'll give you that one to just start. Anywhere you want to apply What do we say to it. somebody who's struggling with the thought that regeneration precedes faith? Or just regeneration in general. They're like, I don't get it. You know, so why does it matter? Any, anything you feel like you'd want to say to somebody who's just listening and like, okay, sure. I might be growing a bit more ecumenical. Okay. Than before. That's cool. So what I would say, first of all, is you must believe that regeneration is possible. Yeah. Um, it's the same with, I would say, substitutionary atonement, penal mm-hmm. substitutionary atonement. These things must be a reality for you because without them, uh, it's all just magical stuff that you either think happens or don't. Um, if, if you can just be forgiven and there's no payment for sin, or if you think that you can just decide one day, like I, I'll give this a shot, then you've already, you're already at a terrible foundation. You're at a foundation that's watery, soft, cracking, and it will not last because as soon as you start piling on the weight of scripture and you don't have that firm foundation to handle a lot of these questions that you have to face in scripture, it's going to crumble. So you have to understand that God has regenerated and taken your heart of stone and given you a soft heart that beats, that feels, and you have to understand these things. And then second of all, with that, uh, I wouldn't put regeneration precedes faith as a salvific issue, but 
I firmly believe you're going to see scriptures opening up so much more clear. You're going to understand a God who didn't have to, to set the table in order for himself to win, but has ordained things because that shows his power. He has the ability to do all these things and yeah. he has played them out. And we do see his glory, uh, his glory and his wonderful working hand because of how he can start in Genesis and end in revelation. And it all was cohesive and makes sense yeah. because it was all his doing from That's beginning right. to end. Awesome. And that, and that comes from an understanding that God is able to save you yeah. from your sin. Cause if, like you said, if it was up to us, we wouldn't want to be saved from our sin. That's right. I firmly believe. That's good. I like, I like that you're the, you I mean, scripture is the best way to form doctrine, theology, uh, systematic studies, the five points of Calvinism, the tulip, all these things. That's not ultimately what we're aiming for people to look at and embrace. Mm. It's the gospel. It's the word of God. Um, we do believe that those are expressions or encapsulations of what seems that scripture is teaching, but don't be glued to those terminologies. Yeah. Um, be glued to the scripture. Let Scripture. So, if you read John three, how do you how do you how do you come at to the, the the other side of reading John chapter three and Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus? Just plain and simple. Where do you where do you land? What needs to be mm. done? Well, somebody needs to be born again. Um, the one, one of the reasons I love Spurgeon so much is because you can't make the case, man. This Calvinist man, he never preached the gospel, and I'm sure nobody got saved under his ministry. Well, I mean, that's the absolute opposite of mm -hmm. that. I mean, the man preached the Word of God, um, loved the doctrines of grace, believed in this irresistible um, grace, believed in regeneration that preceded faith, yet preached the gospel, preached to believe, called people to repentance, and that's just, I think that's what Scripture calls us to. Um, I'm also where you are in the sense of, it's not salvific, but, mm -hmm. um, so what I would say is, this is not something to just argue with people about. Hundred percent. Just don't be. This is a podcast, so we get the. You have a bug on your head, by the way. Yep, I saved your life. Um, I'm not but, dead. <laughs> but like we're this is we're, we're podcasting about it. It's fun. It's a good. Yeah. But I I don't just sit around having arguments with people about this. That would be like go lock yourself in a cage. Yeah. Until you're ready to talk about this yeah. in a, in a way that's humble and gracious. And, and this is not what you need to be talking to uh, non-believers about. Like, 100%. hey, listen, dude, um, if you want to put your faith in Christ, you, you better rege be regenerated first. Like, yeah. uh, they, that's not, you can't do that. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> <you're>, you, <laughs> that's secret Calvinism. That, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> secret that's a whole nother. Secret Calvinism. And oh then my there's gosh, hyper man. and all this other stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, I would just, yeah, just um, be humble. Humble about be it. Humble. Look to the word. Yep. And just thank God that he saves people. Yep. Pre preach the gospel and enjoy studying these things and, yeah but uh, yeah be humble about it the other thing i would say too is you keep them with what you win them with mm -hmm. so if you win them with calvinistic theology or any kind of like theology thing like system not not uh the truths in it like going through scripture but what i mean is like if you bring them a system to believe in yeah they're just gonna keep finding whatever system makes the most sense like bring them to bring them to the word of god yeah and bring them to the gospel Sure. Um, and I think those things will find themselves out. And I think truly uh, that they will uh, not that almost sound bad. Not that true Christians will come to reform theology, yeah. but but uh, you, oh. you can trust those things in discipleship <laughs> and you can you can work those things later on. Yeah. And it's not sneaky. It's not secretive. It's just 
we don't want you don't want you don't want to save anybody to a to a theological system. You that's want to right. bring them before the Father. That's right. That's what you want. That's yeah, that's goal Jesus, number one. Amen. Yeah, that's good. Well, hopefully, as you, people are listening to this, uh, you're not hearing a couple arrogant guys thinking about like we know everything. This, this is just a good conversation about something that's a good biblical matter. We find it in Scripture. Yeah. And hopefully, you were encouraged by it. If you got questions and you're even you're just confused, you want to throw some things at us. Put those in the chat and do that. Now we did you see help. we had a question? Uh, whoa, whoa, yeah, we did. Do. It was from my you, wife from your wife, <laughs> but it was still a question. It was still a question. You do guys it. should follow the same the same page. Yeah, that's right. It's in there. Yeah, it's in the private group. But yeah, podcast at spurgeonmaniacs.com. Do good, it. Send good, us questions. Good talking to you, man. It's great talking to you too. Is the show over? Can we go now? Mm, Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Anything you want to say? Oh, uh, we have a special guest who has said nothing. Say goodbye. <laughs> say, say, see you later. See you later. See you later. Nathaniel, say it again. See you later. <laughs> Nathaniel. That was perfect. That was a perfect imitation of Nathaniel's. <laughs> see you later. No, that was Nathaniel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Dude. All right. See you guys. <laughs>